It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. I've been running for a few years now and have the privilege of meeting many incredible runners on my travels all across the country. This podcast is intended to share those amazing conversations. And welcome back. I have another super special episode today uh, with David Roche. David, thanks for uh, thanks for joining. Super special episode. This is exciting. <laughs> after school special of the <laughs> podcast. So you are the you are the first three Pete here, um, and so we're we're giving the people what they want. Uh, the episodes we've done together have been the. Um, have been some of the most popular ones. So I, I believe this is episode 69. So Oh my uh, gosh, so much. <laughs> There's a clamoring for redundancy when it comes to uh, what I have to say, I'm sure. But, um, you know, to have me on as episode 69 is one of the greater honors of my life. So I appreciate it. Nice. Um, so what are we talking about today? Ah, it's, I don't know, man. I, I first want to just start by saying how amazing it has been to see your journey through um, a setback. And I don't know, I think that's a good place to start is just to talk about like how you've been feeling with your shin, you're coming back to full health, but there's still those ups and downs. I mean, I'd love to hear where your brain is right now. Yeah. Um, So last year was the best year I ever had from a, from a running standpoint, both, um, quantitatively and qualitatively. Uh, I loved it more than I ever have in the past. And my races were faster than they've ever been and longer than they've ever been. And then we hit sort of this uh, speed bump. And it was cool though, because in the moment I was acknowledging that like, this is the good, these are the good times. And this is, this is the high and the high lasted almost a full year, which it almost never does. Um, so that culminated or that peaked, I guess, with the Grand Canyon in, uh, in October and then a bit of a DNF in, um, San Francisco for the, my, my strikeout or 0 for 3 at North Face, <laughs> California, um, which was then canceled. So if I can't finish it, nobody can. Um, so yeah, so then, um, then, then, uh, as you mentioned, the, the shin decided that it, it wasn't happy or both shins decided they weren't happy. Um, and so that was the biggest injury I've ever had. Um, we took six weeks off. Um, it was hard, but what I, what, how I got through it was I focused on the Olympic trials. And we had an event at the Olympic trials and, um, I made that my race and I put tons of focus on, um, 
preparing this party and preparing activation through Insight Tracker and working with Goo and Rabbit uh, with us as well. And it really kept me distracted. Like, I don't know how I would have done this any other way. I, I don't know, you know, back up a couple of years, like taking six weeks off after the best running I've ever had. Like, I don't know how I would have handled that. <laughs> yeah, you've done so well. Do you think that's given you any, uh, any insight into dealing with like other types of setbacks? Yeah, I mean, it's like right in line with what we're going through now. Um, I saw a tweet from Brad Stolberg that was like, look at look at daily increments or two to three day increments, not the full picture. And uh, it's sort of like a reversal from how I normally approach things, which is like big picture and, um, you know, focusing on the journey and the process, whatever. Um with this, it's like, get to, get to Friday, get to Tuesday, get to Saturday, like stuff like that. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that I was able to take, take the injury experience and, um, you know, I, it was just all about getting to the next week and the next week and the next week. And instead of I'm injured, I can't run for the next month and a half or two months or whatever. Um, and that's sort of where we are now. Well, so how are you feeling now? So my first run back was in Utah and that was like the best return to running I've ever <laughs> experienced. Like with, I was in a place called Snow Canyon, uh, running with a friend and the backdrop was incredible and it was like picture perfect. Um, and now I'm on the Cape at my parents' house running on single track trails that I can access with a two minute run. Um, and it's just like, it's like a privilege. And I, I love being able to get out and run trails on weekdays and um, yeah, it's still like the ups and downs and doesn't feel a hundred percent awesome all the time. But um, I just have this appreciation for being able to do it at a time when running is like clearing my head and giving me that kind of fun. That's so cool. So how are you doing mental health wise? Um, I was struggling hard for a while, uh, specifically at the beginning of this. Um, I didn't see anybody for two weeks and I mean that in person and uh, I was living by myself, totally isolated. I, you know, I wasn't going to the supermarket even. Um, and I did like almost 15 or 20 podcast just to like stay busy and like stay connected to people. Um, and, but it was hard cause I was still, we were still in that unknown phase of like, what is happening? Um, how long is this going to be happening? There's so much unknown and it was just like a, a loss of control. And, um, I had a therapy appointment both with my actual therapist and with Daniel Snyder <laughs> on this podcast. And we talked about grieving and loss, uh, not loss of a person, but loss of like, I fucking love the Boston marathon, yeah. like so much. And it's my favorite week of the year and it's on Monday and I've been getting texts and, messages from people. Oh, we were supposed to be running together tomorrow. Oh, I'm, my flight was supposed to be today. And it's just like, it's like, it's so hard. 
because like that's been my jam for the last four years. Like I, I love it so much. Last year I ran 15 miles on the marathon course and did a video preview so that other people could see it. Like that, that's how much I, I love this weekend. And it's just like seeing people from all over and it's just the, like, it brings the best people to Boston. And it's, it's, it's like now a tough time this week. We're recording this on Friday, uh, April 17th, something like that. Uh, yeah. How, so is right now tough? But yeah, it is. Um, I mean, we're seeing all of these, you know, throwback photos and people posting their triumphs in the rain and, um, and the throwbacks to 2013 and, um, it's good and bad. Like I, I, the Boston marathon made me a runner and it's, it has a, I have a connection to this city and this time in the city that is hard to, it's hard to get anywhere else. It's like, maybe it'll happen in September. I doubt it. But um, even still, like it, for me, it represents summer. And I can't remember if I had this conversation with Danielle or with my therapist, but either <laughs> way, I think it was, I think it was Danielle. So, so um, we were talking about, and whoever it was asked, like, why do you, why, why is it so important that it happens in the spring or why is it, why is the spring um, important? And it's, I feel like it's like the gateway to the summer and the gateway to being outside and the gateway to, um, going to beer gardens with friends and, you know, doing all of these fun things that I love to do. And just like brings me life and joy and happiness. Um, it's just like, we can't do any of that. Are you like feeling excitement for the future? Or is this kind of just a, a get through it day to day moment right now? It's both. Um, I mean, I'm definitely excited. The problem is I like nobody knows when anything is getting back to normal. Um, I mean, I, it, so I think it's a blessing that I'm coming back from injury right now because I would love to be running very high mileage right now and just like running doubles and, um, you know, I'd kill for a three hour long run right now. And I think that it's a good thing that I don't have the ability to do that right now. Oh, you probably wouldn't let me, (laughs) you probably would have scaled me back. Um, because of like how stressful everything is. And like, I'm just, I'm managing on 20 miles a week and, um, you know, things are like, I can tell that I'm, feeling it, uh, not physically, but mentally. And, um, yeah, so it, it's, it's a mix of like, get, just get through it. And also like focusing on, um, like, we're going to talk about this in 50 years. Like yeah. this is going to be something we remember forever. So you're able to find a little bit of that. Like, seems like, I mean, from my perspective, it seems like you've been finding the, the gratitude and the spaces of peace um, much more recently. Like, I don't know if that's like imposing that on you, but does it feel like that? Yeah, it does. Um, and 
I'm trying to, I'm trying to do things that, um, I'm trying to do things to like stay positive. I saw a post yesterday from Kate Grace and, um, she posted a photo with her friends at a restaurant saying, uh, I miss my friends. I miss going out to eat. Um, and restaurants are hurting. And so I want to support, I want to support the restaurants and spread the love. So she said, tag a friend who, who could use a little extra right now. And, you know, I'll buy gift cards. And so I did the same thing. And it's like, it's, I'm in a place where I can do that. And it's fun to be able to like bring that kind of excitement, like reading through some of the comments on, on that post, like people are so thankful for their friends who are frontline workers. And it's just like every comment brings a smile to three people's face faces. So it's stuff like that. I I mean, on, on Monday, I'm going to do a giveaway uh, with, with Brooks and their whole thing is run happy and it's all about being happy. And, you know, this is a, a day when people are sad. So let's, you know, do things that are happy and give away some shoes, stuff like that. It's like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to spread that kind of joy and happiness and whatnot um, because other people need it, but I need it too. Yeah. No, I love that. And I actually think like, since this is a podcast recording and not just us talking, um, <laughs> that's actually, that's a lesson I think given constraints of brain chemistry, a lot of us can practice. And I see that like a lot of people, you know, are saying we need to, you know, lift others up and stuff. And then on the trails and on the roads, people, like there are some people out there that are being somewhat mean. Um, <laughs> so like now is a great time to truly like, try to practice as hard as you can, like being kind and loving, even to people that might not necessarily be doing everything like exactly as an epidemiologist and a therapist recommend, you know? Um, like, I don't know. I, I think that one place where we can all really make a difference, at least in the running community, is like, it does not do us any good to yell at someone on the trails. Yeah. Like, it's they're not going to change their behavior whatsoever. It's just going to bring everyone down. Um, so yeah, I think that that's one thing we can all do a little bit in our lives. So like, yeah, with, um, with how things are are shaping up generally, are you feeling, I mean, spring is still coming, even though there's no Boston and, um, are you feeling a little bit like things are opening up somewhat? Yeah. So I came to my parents' house last Saturday and we had talked at length about that, but, um, the background is I thought about it for about two weeks or three weeks, maybe actually a month, pretty much the whole, the whole isolation time um, before, before I, I pulled the trigger and came down here. The reason for that was I came back from the West coast. I was in four airports in a week and felt it was irresponsible to go uh, anywhere and especially see my parents. Um, and then I was hypersensitive around um, interactions with other people and whatnot and so I gave it a week at home with no interaction before coming here. And I'm still you know, not interacting with them. And it's just the strangest thing ever to like be in my parents' house and not be able to like give them a hug. Yeah. Um, like I haven't touched another human being in over a month. Yeah. And I, I love, <laughs> I love hugs, but, um, so yeah, I'm in a much better place. I mean, it was bringing me like 
terrible anxiety to to even like go outside and go for a run and I, I haven't experienced anxiety before and I didn't really know what it what these feelings were and um I talked with a friend and she like talked me through it she's like yeah that's totally normal like I experience that often uh, I was like huh that's interesting so um I'm 10 feet away from a door to get outside and that's like the that's the absolute best. And it has made me so much happier in so many ways. And I can go for a run. I can go for a bike ride. I can, I can go for a walk. Uh, my parents live next to a pond. I can go to the pond. There's nobody else around. Um, and so, yeah, I'm definitely, definitely in a better place now. And especially with spring coming and warmer weather, I mean, it's going to snow today, but uh, might be, might be 80. have I thought about getting a dog? Yeah. Um, so I can't in my current apartment, I can't in my future apartment, but my parents have a dog. Okay. Uh, so he, saying, Max, you are destined to have a very <laughs> golden retriever sooner rather yeah. than later in your life. <laughs> so I would just say, if you have to break an apartment lease for the sake of a golden retriever, probably, <laughs> it's, it's probably worth it. Yeah, you're right. My friend, my coworker, um, just got a lab retriever mix and it's the cutest thing on the planet. It's five weeks old. Um, his name is Maverick and I can't pay attention to her when, when, when we're having a video chat, um, when he's in the screen, it's, he's just the cutest. Yeah. I think that's a sign. I've always, <laughs> when they ask about you that you're like a smart golden retriever come to life, the best compliment <laughs> I can give anyone so I think this is your destiny and spring is a great time to think about it. So just going to let that grow into a, into a <laughs> percolate. Yeah. So how are you? I want to know how, how is David doing with all of this? I'm good. You know, I think one thing about this virus is it seems like it, um, it responses are heavily dependent on person and background rather than choice or anything like that. So it's almost like, getting lucky based on your, maybe your, the context of, of things. And so it's not from a like day-to-day -day standpoint for me, it's not that much different from how I normally live. Um, right. you know, like there's, there's some of that, like socialization with athletes, um, locally taken away, but, you know, I think, I think I'm discovering that I am introverted in this process. <laughs> I, I always knew. Um, and it helps that like, I get to live with my best friend, Megan and Addie and, um, all that. But, um, one thing I'm seeing in coaching though, is that so, I mean, this is not, this situation has no analogy. Like almost always when I talk about mental health and stuff, I'm like, well, this is a, you know, th this is all about bigger questions and things we can work through and learn and grow and all this, you know, stuff. But right now, um, you know, a global pandemic is not something we need to get good at, you know, <laughs> like I'm just trying to tell people it's okay to suck at the global pandemic game. Like if that, <laughs> um, this is an okay game to suck at. In fact, I would say it probably says more positive things about someone's personality and not to not be as good as I feel like I am at, the, at it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I would say like, it's not something to perfect. It's something to get through. Like, whereas, you know, when you have a shin injury, I'm like, look, this is a, this isn't something to get through. This is something to enjoy and love the process and learn about life. 
I think a pandemic is something to like try to find the little joy day to day and not worry too much if you end up being a uh, superstar at this by June. <laughs> I love it. Well, it's been fascinating the way that you've still been able to frame it. Um, so for context, today I had to go into uh, into the office and remove some personal belongings um, just for uh, for logistical reasons. I got my standing desk. I got my this and that. Um, and you said adventure time with uh, four <laughs> exclamation points, five exclamation points. We'll fact check that. Uh, let's view the trip back like an anthropologist exploring changing times. So I, I was really not looking forward to going back. And it was funny because I also forgot my um, building pass at my apartment. So I also had to go to my apartment. So it wasn't just a, a clean heist. Um, but on the whole, <laughs> I told a few friends that that's how you had framed it. And so I was sending them videos you know, <laughs> with, uh, with an Australian accent and, and pre- pretending I was, you know, on National Geographic's uh, Into the Wild, you know, exploring in year 3100 and going going back into like into the the olden days of of cambridge when you're like when bear grills going in yeah with a exactly scorpions on your balls or something <laughs> let's hope not but yeah um so it like totally changed my perspective on this thing that i was dreading and made it like it, it was like fun well yeah um, and, you know i just like Obviously, I don't know everything or anything, but um, you know, as it relates to you, like I've just been trying to monitor when you're able, like when you're comfortable with me trying to frame it as adventure, because mm-hmm. ultimately that's what it is. And I, I think, you know, more and more, some people have started to get more into the routine, even if it's not a routine that we need to be good at, or we even need to enjoy particularly, um, you know, it is quite a daily adventure in different ways for everyone. Um, Something like going to the grocery store. um, It is like, you know, like true adventure involves a little bit of danger. And, you know, like you're doing all these things. It's like you're going around the oranges, like Mission Impossible, you know, like watching your six foot uh, lasers just go by and you're like uh, arching your back to get past them. Um, And that's, I mean, as much as possible, like I, I really want people to try to embrace that element of it. The fact that, like, you know, some of this, it's it's scary, but like, it can also be kind of fun and interesting, um, and you know, easier said than done, especially for people suffering with mental health issues in the moment. But, um, you know, I think that that same type of thing can apply to athletics and you know whatever the context is there. Like trying to emphasize the play element in all of those things. I mean, I think it's the only way to get through it because, you know, we're seeing everyone saying, um, including like state farm commercials and stuff saying we're all in this together. And, um, I mean, I think the big principle there is like, that's, while we don't need to be good at the day to day, we're all in this together, not just with the virus, but with literally everything. Like the virus is a proxy for the fact that we're all going to die and we're all going to face these issues and really have to confront our mortality and societal questions that go to injustice and inequality and things like that. And yeah, this is a good reminder that we truly are all in this together. Um, and, 
you know, in that process, if we can, if we can figure out how play can come to the forefront in our interactions with others on the trails, in the interactions with ourselves, when we're just doing something we have to do anyway, um, it makes things a little bit lighter and easier, you know, like sense of humor is the only way to get through tragedy. And, um, yeah, I think it might be an opportunity for that for some people and for others. It's not, and that's okay too. Yeah. I love that. And I think that it also forces us to reevaluate what's important. Like you bring up mortality and, um, yeah, we're all going to die. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> and, I had a conversation with a friend in our, in our group chat with some high school friends. And one of them was just like, you know what? I need to make sure I'm having fun every day. And, um, it's for him, it helped him reshift his priorities. Uh, he's living with his fiance and they're hopefully going to get married later this year. Um, you know, if we can do those types of things in November, um, but it, it made him think about like, where's all of his time going? And is he happy about where that time is going? And now that maybe we're in a little bit, we have a little bit more control over our time, maybe. Uh, I mean, if you don't have to commute. Um, so you can, you can shift that priority from, from whatever is taking up all your time or whatever was taking up all your time to doing things that you enjoy. Um, and I think that that's powerful there. And there are other takeaways that, um, I think are awesome from this. Uh, I talked about this with Danielle as well, but I got on with my college friends on a zoom call for the first time in, and for the first time in eight years, we were all together in the same room. I mean, room with air quotes, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, we were, joined by friends from New York, Boston, and South Korea. This technology existed three months ago. We chose not to use it. But now when you take away these, this, all this small talk, it's forced us to you know, go towards the big talk and go towards um, – you have to choose to talk to people. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, super interesting to just see how <laughs> – how this, how this process unfolds, because yeah, the thing with time is it goes really slow day to day. And I think that that's one thing that quarantine really brings home is that, you know, if you're looking at the clock, the hands move extremely, it's like a snail up there, but glance away and that clock moves fast. And, um, you know, understanding that and trying to like, in, you know, so in coaching, seeing behind the scenes a little bit, um, this time has been so hard on people. Like not, you know, I think, yes, the, the mental health anxiety, depression is really bad, but then seeing the interactions, like how many people are losing everything that they've, they've worked for in some cases, or like, um, you know, just in other words, the, the the spider web of all this is catching almost everything up within it and right. yeah and that like the people that are finding at least some solace in the process are able to work through whatever mental health issues they have or anything and find small gratitudes and um, like gratitude for the littlest things imaginable anything from like 
just being able to breathe, you know, to a meal, to um, sleep. Sleep is really awesome. Gosh, sleep's great. Um, you know, and things like that, rather than needing like all the big picture stuff, easier said than done. But, um, yeah, I mean, in that, in that process, like the main thing I think that people really need to try to give themselves is as much patience as possible. Um, because this isn't an analog for anything else, like you never, like none of us know how we're going to respond day to day to seemingly innocuous things or really bad things. And, um, you know, that also goes to the people around us. Like we've seen tons of relationship issues and that makes sense because it's all this different context. And it's like, even then try to give those people as much patience and give your friends that don't want to do zoom talks with you patients. And, um, the friends that want to be on zoom talks with you every single second patients, because, um, yeah, it's just like, this is a, this is a weird moment for sure. Yeah, it's. Yes. Um, so I had, yeah. yeah. So the, the piece where like everything is stripped away is hard because nobody is in control of that. And like an example is like at work, we've had this momentum building over the last specifically over the last like six months, but a uh, couple last couple of years, like things have been going really well. And my boss has just built a like a very thorough and detailed marketing plan and we had the resources to try new things and do new things and all of it just got gutted like immediately and it's crazy to see something that you put so much time and effort into just completely taken away and lose all momentum and then it's just like what i find fascinating is how people respond to that and I think we're learning a lot about ourselves and about the people around us. Um, Mark Cuban tweeted recently that this is the time where 10 or 20 companies will rise and will remember what these companies do because, I mean, I like the phrase pressure makes diamonds. I, <laughs> I, say, it all, I say it all the time. Um I don't say it all the time. <laughs> I said that. I you, like it. You, you <laughs> it into a quilt that's around your. <laughs> right now. Uh, so anyway, pressure makes diamonds. Yes, uh, it's an upcoming quilt. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think that I think that um, like crisis forces change, and the, those of us that I mean, it's tough because like. Some people have a foundation to build around and others have had literally everything taken away immediately. Um, so it's like, where do you, how, how do you take your second step after, after everything gets taken away? So what, what have you seen? What have you seen in swap? What have, what have people been doing um, in order to just, just keep going, just keep swimming? Well, you know, I think that, like you said, there's a certain amount of loss of control in all of this. And that might be the one good thing like that comes of the craziness that there might be some, some way to like grow from that specifically, because, you know, control as, as I'm sure a lot of fortune cookies have said, control is mostly an illusion, right? Like we, we want to put 
this external structure on things, whether it's with like a business or, you know, our future in general or our health or our eating or anything like that. And all that stuff is a way to try to, you know, exert things onto the universe that might not be like necessarily, um, you know, it might be more in our heads than it is in reality. And because this is stripped down so much of that, I've seen that like a lot of athletes have had to come to terms with things like that. Maybe they, they have been able to not really think about in the past unrelated to the virus. So like thinking about their relationship with food, their relationship with their mental health, um, all these other things. So, you know, I've seen a lot of athletes be, you know, do remote therapy. A lot of athletes start to, you know, like actually reach out for help to friends and things like that. Um, and then also seeing a lot of people that are able to like are especially now in the last couple of weeks have been finding beauty and making the best jokes and all that good stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think the, the crazy part here is that this is, you know, this isn't going away anytime soon and there's no end date in sight and letting go, not just of control short-term, but control through this in like it's it's appropriate that it's indefinite because that's a true like if it if it had an end date even if it was 2021 like some date on 2021 then there would be some temptation to be like oh well I'll do this this and this after that um and understanding that like it's okay not to have those things and to you know find the the presence a little bit more um is super cool and I struggle with that myself constantly um but you know, athletes are, are lifting me up in that process. So yeah, I'm seeing a lot of, a lot of people enjoy their runs. Like maybe they never have before. And I think that since a lot of people listening are runners, hopefully probably most like that's a place where maybe we can find out how this lack of control in other places can make running so much more like delicious. Um, and I say that word specifically because it's like, all the different flavors that go into it, the crappy days, the good days, the everything else, like all of it is preferable to, you know, another, another like hour on the couch for most, for at least for me. So like, it's a good chance to reflect on that. Yeah. So one thing that I, I'm curious about, so there are a lot of elites and pros within swap. And I know that you approach everyone as if they were a high performing athlete, but I want to know for the ones who are professionals, um, how, how has, or has their train, has your training approach changed with them? And what are some takeaways that amateurs that you're not coaching could maybe consider in their own training? Heck yeah, this is the best part. So (laughs) long-term growth does not care about this pandemic. So while you know, we need to all pay attention to our individual responses to this time, our stress levels, things like that. If you find yourself with the context to build, then this is an amazing time. Like, I think that, you know, I've seen mixed things online from, from people being like, oh, you shouldn't do certain things. I'm like, man, the horizon is so far away right now. And that is so exciting and motivating because you have to keep making those steps to get anywhere close to where that horizon actually is. Um, So, you know, I always like to talk about the three to five year time horizon, like anyway, 
So with pros, that's what it all is, but with everyone. And, you know, that relates to how the body actually adapts over time, how aerobic growth works, how um, the feedback cycles get going with running economy, and then even cool things like epigenetics, like how your genetic expression changes based on environment. All of these things interact and a training cycle is a convenient way for our brains to distill that process. But a training cycle itself is just a brick in the wall. It's not just the days that are bricks. It's the cycles that are bricks. And so this brick right now, this cycle might be a really big one for a pro where they're building up. Um, you know, I have a, a ton of people on the team. It's like, we're training normally. We're just trying not to do the huge breakdown long run type stresses. Um, or it might be a really small brick where you're, you're focusing on coming back from injury or something like that. But either way, this is an opportunity to, you know, take a leap forward, even if that leap forwards from, you know, taking a slight step back right now so you can make that leap in the future. Um, so as it relates to like specific training, I think right now (laughs) I want everyone now is the time when big dreams are put to the test. And like, I want people dreaming so big and trying to believe through the hard parts, because that's when the really interesting stuff starts to happen, um, in physical growth as it, as it relates for running. So, um, if people are listening and you're, you're not running right now, that's great. Um, but I do think that that not running part should also be considered a brick that you're, you're putting in there, you're preparing yourself for that future. I love that. Um, so I had a two year period where I didn't race and that fed into last year. And I honestly think that that's part of the reason that I had such a good year last year. Um, because there was no, like the last marathon I raced before the one I did it last spring was in, was Boston 2017. So I went April, 2017 through May of 2019 without any serious races. I mean, there were five K's and 10 K's, but you know, you recover for those from those quickly. And it was just like building and building and building. And then when I finally raced, it was like, this is a whole new, I'm a whole new person with a whole new layer of fitness and a whole new bunch of bricks in the wall. And that's what I'm excited about right now. Like I wasn't planning to race in the spring, you know, coming back from injury and now I don't have to make that decision. (laughs) Um, And, you know, probably won't be racing a marathon in the fall. So now I'm looking at the same thing, like six plus months of just building and especially coming back from injury. I think that's, um, I think that's healthy and I think that's good where, you know, I did want to do a spring marathon, but, um, now there's no, there's no recovery block that's needed after that. It's just, um, you know, the trial of miles. Yeah. Oh, heck yeah. And that's, I mean, I think that gets to four points that anyone listening, when you're thinking about your own training right now is like how long-term growth works within the context of like what we're doing now with nothing on the schedule, like nothing specific on the schedule though you can make your own things. Um, that, so like the first thing is aerobic development versus via consistency and volume. Like right now, if you're, you know, if you have the capabilities, it's a great time to just try to get comfortable running truly easy and doing 
doing it as often as you can, or maybe a little bit more of it. Those are aerobic developments. So um, angiogenesis, like the um, building up of capillaries, the um, way you process oxygen over time, like all of that takes probably 10-ish years to start to really optimize. But even then, it can increase long into your 40s, 50s, 60s, like that aerobic, um, you know, once you, once you, once you put uh, liquid in the aerobic bucket, you don't just fill up the bucket, you just get a bigger bucket to put more liquid in. Um, mm. This is a time to make, make a big bucket. That doesn't mean you're, you have to do huge mileage or anything, it just means to really emphasize, okay, now I can actually build my base, a base that I haven't had time to build for a long time. And base being not like, a simple term, this really complex scientific principle that's here distilled down in a way that, um, you know, we're usually preparing for races, but now we have a time to do a base for the rest of our running careers. How cool is that? Don't won't, might never get that opportunity again. Um, and so that is a major chance right now. Um, the second thing, quick word from Megan trainer. It is all about that base. <laughs> I think, uh, she, she was, all along, I uh, she's like been a swap co coach. We'll need to like pay her <laughs> um, royalties or something. Um, <laughs> so that, and then the number two, what else improves this long term cycle? Um, running economy. So lots of studies out there, but one of the basically every study, if you take a very highly trained twenty year old athlete, their VO two max will reach a peak right around then. As crazy as that sounds, oxygen capacity, oxygen processing capacity probably peaks right like when we're like before a lot of us even started running, like our absolute potential with that. But athletes can get way, way faster and more efficient, even as VO2 max might start to plateau. What's happening there? Their running economy improves just these huge leaps and bounds, even as the amount of oxygen it takes starts to decrease uh, immensely. And that's super cool. And so the way that works, we've seen, is just balanced training. But we really like people to do plenty of strides and, you know, make sure that they are their fastest self throughout a training cycle. By fastest self, not necessarily the highest volume, highest speed you can go, but like you're able to hit high outputs relatively smoothly. Um, and so, Yeah. If you're listening to this and you're a little overwhelmed right now, you can stop right here because lots of easy running and developing your speed in conjunction with that without necessarily worrying about big workouts or races or these big breakdown stresses, you can set up the next five years for yourself where you don't really have to go back to this moment. You can build something that is ready to chase that distant horizon so strongly that um, you never would have been able to possibly before. So that's kind of where a lot of athletes are on swap right now. Um, and then others are starting to work more towards the third point, which is workouts in moderation. And so this is another great place to practice right now. And I'm rambling on Jonathan. So cut me off. No, it's awesome. Um, we actually lost the audio connection or I lost the audio connection and, and you just kept talking through it. So I actually couldn't have responded and and you just kept rolling. So well done. Wait, so was it recording or not? Is that it, just in- it was recording. Oh man, I see that's the thing. <laughs> I learned I can literally talk to a wall. Uh, 
<laughs> well, for, for a moment there, you you were. <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm doing okay in quarantine. <laughs> Just give me give me a wall to talk to, and I'm good. Addie, Addie, she hears me. Um, we have deep conversations about life, um, and she's a very good listener. But ever since she's a, ever since she's been a puppy. Um, <laughs> So yeah, and then what I what I would say right now with as it relates to workouts specifically is still a great time to do workouts, but it's a good time to also practice what maybe you've it's been hard to get the patience to before, which is doing workouts a little bit easier. Most people, like one thing that we notice is that athletes that maybe are like top pros often have this mastered more than like people that are just starting out. Is Workouts do not, they're supposed to be uplifting, build up stresses rather than break up, break down stresses. So, um, yeah, if you're, if you're doing intervals, actually make them the type, like make your tempo run, not a race, but something that just feels smooth and relaxed. Do your 15 minutes at one hour effort rather than one hour effort that becomes 15 minute effort. Very (laughs) quick. Um, those types of workouts Like it's not going to suppress your immunity. It might even make you feel better on subsequent runs. Um, But it's a great time to really practice that. Um, And then the fourth point is just to prioritize play. And this goes for any time, but especially now. Like running and what we're doing out there is so, so cool when you think about it. Like it's easy to, to say, oh, four miles, that's a number on paper. But what actually goes into that is this super complex movement where you're, you know, you're taking turns. If you close your eyes for a second, you've just like run into a tree, you know, like it's a super interactive, cool thing. And, um, you know, to, to try to find those moments. So like when you're doing strides, don't think, okay, I have to do these four strides. This is my third one. I'm excited for this to be over. Think, oh, I'm a kid at a playground again. This is tag. Um, and that's how I feel or whatever, like anything like that. And so just trying to inject as much play into running as possible. And I think that that might be good too, because can kind of start to channel that play into other parts of life and finding the silliness in it. And this, like this uplifting lightness. I love that. Um, one question that I had. Uh sort of related to the workouts i've noticed that my first workout back is uh, includes um six by one minute hills where how how do hills play into it why are hills the first workout um let's talk about them let's talk about those hills yeah amazing question so i would actually say that if you're reading if you're listening to this and you have an injury history, you're, um, not necessary. If you're not racing like more races or whatever, you can get everything you need from doing your intensity on Hills. Um, and so that might be semi-controversial statement, but it's something we've tested with a lot of different athletes. A good example being Nicole Maracle, who for four or five years now has done almost every single one of her focused workouts on uphills and has progressed to being many times over world champion in OCR and, and insanely fast master check collector. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she has more oversized checks than like public clearinghouse or something. Um, her bank definitely thinks she is a giant. Um, so yeah, like um, the, the thing tells is just from a very basic perspective, impact forces are greatly reduced on that pulse. 
Um, so what you're putting out the same amount of output or more, a lot of people often put out more output on uphills without, um, or uphill intervals without necessarily realizing it. Um, but your the the cost like so the metabolic cost is the same or higher but the musculoskeletal uh impact is is less so um your body can adapt to that really really well without risk um so you know for us hills are always the the start of training blocks and i mean it's a, co- a pretty common but then sometimes especially for athletes that might have in history of hip injuries or stress fractures or are over 50, um, hills will be the primary source of, um, like intensity throughout a cycle. And then strides and shorter intervals are done in just the barest of moderation so that the neuromuscular adaptations are, are there, which you don't need to do much. So like a, a prototypical workout for someone like Nicole, who's racing insanely fast and needs to be ready to run sub five minute paces might be, if she does five by three minute hills, she might follow that up with four by one minute on one minute off on flats just to get the literal turnover, like the, the slightly, you know, the slightly different biomechanics of it. But yeah, I would say, you know, anyone, if you dread workouts, just do fartlicks on hills. It's a super easy way to do in like, I found that people can do that even on days they don't feel awesome. And it, it often like they'll often say after the hills I felt amazing, um, whereas usually if they're doing flat workouts they won't feel that way. My favorite workout that you've ever had me do was five by three minutes with something afterwards with like a like tempo or fast fast strides afterwards, and I did I did five by heartbreak hill with the intersection leading up to it included. And then it felt so fun to, to just like rip it, not rip it. I didn't rip it to just (laughs) run, run, run fast. Um, after that, and you just like, you just feel so different running fast after running hard uphill. And those workouts were so fun. I would love to do that right now, but, um, you're almost there. And, you know, I think for everyone listening, like the, the workouts, I think, and, and this is one thing. So we're fortunate enough to coach some people that come from, you know, NCAA all American type programs and things like that. And giving that sometimes giving them the permission to make things into fartlek, like fartlek means speed play. Right. And literally like the whole idea of workouts, if we're talking about play like make everything based on, on like fartlet principles, you know, like I never want an athlete to be aware of what they did as they're, or what they're doing as they're doing it. Like I never want them to be able to look down at their watch and be like, this interval is on pace or not, because that sets up a, like an incentive structure that will lead to, to like unhappiness in the process eventually, unless they're like it very, very mentally tough and a very unique and, uh, incentive struck incentive driven way. Um, so yeah, make things fartleks, mix it up and do combo workouts. So what, what John, John was just talking about was like, you know, he did five by three minute followed by maybe a tempo or something. Um, but you know, instead of just going and doing, okay, I'm going to do 15 by 400 meters or something crazy, like, or something tough like that, do, you know, 
one, two, three, two, one plus, you know, 30 second intervals or something like that. Just so in other words, um, try to, try to bring, make it so that every workout you do, you cannot fail it. That every single, no workout is a test. It's just a celebration that you're able to do this thing. Um, and what we found is that often that lets people also, you know, have really top performance. And then maybe if you're doing really fast marathons or really fast 10 Ks on the track, we do like some very specific focus pace work. But, you know, for most of us, we don't need that. And our brains will only get in the way. Yeah, I love it. Um, so I found the comment that you made uh, that I, in the workout that I did 10 days prior to running the Grand Canyon. And I oh, loved God. it. I loved it so much. Um, it was the workout was five by three minute hills hard with rundown recovery and three miles easy mod on tired legs. So I did this on Summit. For those of you that live live in Boston, you know that Summit Ave is a monster of a hill, and it was quite literally three minutes long uh, from bottom to top. And uh, you wrote nine percent is optimized for maximum suffering. But what you what you wrote before I did the workout was the goal is to think about the shit you were going through. The goal is to think about the shit while you are going through it and practice gratitude for the shit in the moment rather than looking forward to it being done. So I oh, think God. that's like supremely relevant to right now. Where well, I can't believe I said that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it got me through the workout because I remember, I remember being in that, in that workout and having a car run past, drive past me. And I was like, man, if I got hit by that car, it would probably feel better than this, <laughs> than, than finishing this interval. <laughs> For extra people uh, that aren't aware, hard, the designation of hard uh, for, for swap, for our coaching approach is almost never used. Maybe like once a once a year races and a few workouts, maybe two workouts a year or something. So to say three minute hills hard basically is saying like, you know, make sure your, <laughs> your affairs are in order, contact the lawyer for the will, and make this be the worst thing of your life. <laughs> yeah, you you had, I mean, I remember how much you absolutely slayed that workout and then at the the slightly up tempo running after was awesome. It was incredible too. Um, yeah. And like, I'm always hesitant to be like, this is a metaphor for right now, but I do think like any time that you're going through struggles, like the mindfulness of the struggle really can be helpful or at least like can make it like find the community in it or find the love in that process, which is just, yeah, I mean, John, what's going through your your mind when you're doing a three minute hill, and what's going through your mind, like at the worst moments of quarantine? Do you think they're similar? I do, I do, because I've I've fully bought into the roller coaster approach to life, and that these ups and downs are what make it interesting. And in a run, you need that. Like, wow, this is brutal in this moment. What a privilege it is that we get to suffer like this. And it could, like, we can choose to stop at any time. And then on the life side, um, 
we are in that moment right now and we can't choose for it to be over. So I think back to like, I, I think I've referenced it before on this podcast, but um, last spring when the, the life department wasn't going very well. And I just remember being in a, I think eight by three minute workout and it was the sixth rep. And I vividly remember where I was. I was along the Charles River in the really boring stretch between uh, the Mass Pike and my favorite, bri- the View Bridge, and uh, the pedestrian part of it. And I was like, holy shit, I get to do this right now. Let It's time to work. Um, and I had like just gone through a breakup like two weeks prior. And it was like so strong in that moment that I was like, I get to suffer for the next three minutes and it's going to be awesome. And so I think that's the parallel. I think it's like in, in the running, you can choose to run uphill for three minutes hard. And that's pretty much like max capacity. And then you get through it and it's done and you can, you can do it again and you know that you can get through it. And I think we're in a similar place now. Like, we're going to get through it and everything else in the future will be easier to manage because we'll level up. Yeah, no, I I mean, I love that. And, you know, uh, so there, I might've even mentioned it before, but um, the book comedy sex God by Pete Holmes, I think Mm -hmm. is a great one for anyone in these times. Um, Super funny. But one thing that he's, Pete Holmes, a comedian who went through, you know, some of the worst life moments and came out the other end with this, this perspective that I think is super amazing and uplifting, but also real and sees the the nastiness in life sometimes. And his like mantra or whatever that he uses is yes, thank you. So like, it can be something super simple. Like in the old days, you're stuck in traffic and you're just like, yes, thank you. Like, what am I in a rush for? Um, but you know, in athletes on the team, I've seen the ones that are able to try to say yes, thank you to the universe when it might not be exactly what it should be. Um, or like it might be in the the mind's eye in this this long-term plan um, are often the ones that, you know, are able to, to handle things a little better over time. And I'm talking specifically about running right now, especially. So, you know, it's so easy to idealize running. I mean, we're on a running podcast right now. We're talking about hard workouts where that were uplifting, but like a lot of running sucks, like for everyone, even, even that pro that makes it look so easy. They'll sometimes go out on a run and feel like a, like Royal shit, you know? Um, and I know I have those constantly. I think I have more than most. Um, Royal and, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Patty has, Patty has. Yeah, has those. Um, but that in those moments, like if you're able to find, like that's the time. I don't really the the hard workout is interesting, but what really interests me is the grind. Like, what is someone's reaction in the grind? And um, you know, when you're taking a poop on the side of the trail and all that, everything feels terrible. That's the moment to be like, yes, thank you, rather than the great workout. Because like, if we look forward just to those things, then um, you know, we'll, we'll, there'll come a time where we get injured or where things don't go great in, um, you know, it's existential, existential crisis time. Um, but as it relates to quarantine specifically, I think, um, 
that might not even apply. The best thing to say right now might be like, you know, fuck you universe and I'll get through this. Um, but you know, I'm not sure exactly. I think that that's something that Danielle could probably answer. (laughs) Awesome. Um, any other words of wisdom before we go? I know I could go on for hours here. Oh my gosh. Well, for everyone listening and Jonathan, since he's listening to, um, you're, you're so loved. Um, and when I say loved, I don't mean like, you know, this infinite affection idea of like romantic love or ever, or anything like that. I just mean that no matter where you are or what you're doing, like you are enough and you are, you know, everything you need to be as you are. So with that in mind, like give yourself the grace and the space to deal with things as you need to deal with them. And as it relates to your running, my big, my big request on that is believe, believe not because you're the fastest person out there or you're the healthiest or you're the hardest worker or anything like that. Believe because you're enough as you are and you freaking got this. Um, so yeah, let's freaking go with it. Go for it with love because that's what we all are. That's what it is. So, um, yeah, that was, that was rambling. I clearly, uh, have been having a little bit too much CBD during this quarantine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's my message. I caught my grandma after she took a gummy the other day. Talk about, Oh my God. Anyways, um, David, thank you so much. Uh, this was amazing. Um, and what a way to lead into the weekend. Um, for those of you who would like to follow David, uh, I highly recommend it. It's actually his dog, he and Megan's dog that, ha- that manages his uh, Instagram presence. Great on Twitter as well. Um, and you can follow his adventures there. And I'll leave some links in the show notes as they say thanks so much for tuning in and um and leaving such incredible feedback over the last couple weeks i i really appreciate it you're awesome (laughs) awesome thanks david that's it for today's episode like many long runs it's sad when it has to end i hope you join in next week on for the long run and in the meantime happy trails If you've enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too.